Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and that beautiful French market cafe music means only one thing in the Catholic Cafe. It means we are in Lourdes, France, for our annual uh, pilgrimage to France with the Order of Malta. It's such a beautiful uh, place to come on pilgrimage. I'm I'm joined with our sort of pilgrimage co-host, Fra Tom Mulligan. Fra Tom, welcome to well, the, well, the French Catholic much. Cafe. Thank you, and I'm glad to be back here with you again for another season here in Lourdes. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, uh, if it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful spiritual thing to come here, certainly, but I have to admit, I, I look forward to the Café au lait and I, <laughs> the fresh croissant every morning. It's all part of a <laughs> pilgrimage. That's right, and so maybe we should, uh, maybe we should take a few minutes and, and talk about what it means to be um, to be a pilgrim, to be on pilgrimage, because I think uh, that's what we do when we come to Lourdes. Uh, most people who come here come with a specific purpose or a need in mind, you know, typically, and uh, and I think they make uh, they make a pilgrimage. And I thought maybe we should uh, take a little time and talk about just what a pilgrimage is and where that even comes from. And the first thing I always think of is I, I remember in grade school we studied pilgrims. You, do you remember? Uh, yes, you know? <laughs> I do remember. It's a, <laughs> the Mayflower and yes. the, all the folks that came over in the first Thanksgiving and the Indians and all that kind of stuff. Well, if we think about it, even the Order of Malta has been involved with pilgrimage for over 900 years. And in the older days, people used to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem yeah. because they wanted to experience the place where Christ had lived and died and rose again from the dead. And... They made it their life's journey, really, to finish off their life, whether they uh, would stay in Jerusalem for the rest of their lives or maybe they were coming to the end of their lives. They made every effort to go there to make that experience. But So pilgrimage is a journey, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think uh, um, it's neat to know those things. And a lot of people think like, well, I'm not either I'm not in the order of Malta or I'm not going to Jerusalem. I'm not doing some big thing. And I think it's important for all of us to realize that um, that we're all part of a pilgrim church. In fact, we're we're called to go on pilgrimage um, our entire lives. I mean, our life is a pilgrimage, right? We're making a pilgrimage to heaven, ultimately. Yes. Right? So we're born, and then we're making a pilgrimage to heaven. I think we also have to consider, though, the fact that we need refreshment along the way. And um, while the Order of Malta has always been accompanying pilgrims, even us as members of the order are on a pilgrimage ourselves. We are on that similar journey to what you're speaking about. And we need refreshment along the way. So, for example, when I come here to Lourdes, um, it is something that, uh, to use the uh, cliche, recharge my batteries. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I find that I do that by serving the needs of the sick. And I think that there are several other different are there other ways in which we can um, refresh ourselves, our spiritual life, or a connection between the two? Uh, because you said you like to have the cafe au lait. Yeah. So, I mean, we come and we have some treats for ourselves as well. 
But the spiritual journey, I think, is uh, something that is always in need of that refreshment. And that's why people will, will make a journey to places such as like Santiago, Santiago de Compostela in Spain, or they will go to um, come here to Lourdes or go to Fatima. Lourdes, of course, we see they bring the sick. Right. This is this this place is known for um, just a place for um, really rebirth, for healing, uh, spiritual and physical healing. There's so many uh, miracles that have happened here over the over the years, and it's 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 been a place. The apparition of of Mary to Bernadette took place like in what was it, 1858, 160 years ago. Yeah, so uh, it's been it's been going strong for quite some time, and uh, and so it's known for that. So people come specifically for that reason. I, I just I think it's interesting though that that all of us, in fact, our church, uh, a lot of us who go to mass. We've heard that third Eucharistic prayer over and over again. We could probably recite it, but we don't remember it always. And there's a phrase that always comes to mind that's said in the third Eucharistic prayer that says, May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, etc., etc. And it goes on. But it, it uses that phrase... Um, there that's so powerful be, be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth to be confirmed as a pilgrim church you know in faith and charity and the idea that we are a pilgrim church we're not a church that 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 is called to sort of be complacent and and sit so there's a there's a sense of mission involved in being a pilgrim as well you're, you're going to a place right you, you've got an idea of where where you're trying to go, uh, because that's what the pilgrim is, is that journey. And you mentioned the refreshment and the, uh, uh, the spiritual journey, the, the process is so powerful. But then also, you're going, on a, you're going to a place, you're going to a, uh, you know, and that's important for us to understand. In fact, if we think about the Mass, it's like a pilgrimage to a certain extent, because at the end, we're actually sent. Uh, that's what that last... The you know by the way you need to thank your deacon because if it wasn't for your deacon you'd still be sitting at mass because he's the one that dismisses you he's right he's the one who dismisses <laughs> us that's correct and in in the Latin he says ite misa est and essentially that just means go be sent right yes and in the, the the misa part is where we get the word mission from right that we're uh, on mission and it's also where we get the word mass and so mass is essentially a mission, a mission to go out right. And we think about the you know, Jesus's last words on Earth in the Great Commission were again, again, commission. You see that word yes. there. But he, he said, "Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations." I mean, he he sends us out. He doesn't say, "Sit therefore." You know, remain seated in your pew therefore. Right? We don't want to be pew warmers. And so, there's an in essence, all of us are called on mission or are called to go, called to move. And a pilgrimage is such a beautiful way to do that. But think of it as also, um, we, we hear these things reinforced, the, uh, especially these days while we are doing all of these readings from the Acts of the Apostles. We hear and we are able to imagine some of the difficulties that they had as far as doing that, of taking the mission out to the world. But the... Um, so mission is uh, I hadn't put all of those pieces together until you had mentioned it. That's why I get the big bucks. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no one gets big bucks in church, by the way. Just so we're all clear, 
but no. I, but but I will tell you uh, that that idea that we're we're called to move and to go, it's it's inspiring because it also it it helps us to know that even if I don't make it to Lourdes, right? Even if I don't make it to um, some specific place that I'm called to go, that that I am actually um, I'm, I'm still called to go. So even if it's to the the parish church down the street and to go make a holy hour, right? To do yes. the uh, to do the stations of the cross, to to go um, certainly to go to mass, uh, to join a prayer group. Well, I, I've even found that by attending mass on a daily basis, which is in the beginning, it's it's not easy to do. You turn around and you say, "I'm go- I'm going to try and make this commitment, maybe for a short period of time." And then all of a sudden you find that you are beyond that and that you look forward to doing that each mm. day. But each day there's a little fervorino, kind of a homily, yeah. and you are um, really set straight. I've found myself writing these things in this little, uh, the things that I'm hearing from the pulpit, because how often do we walk out of church and forget what the, uh, what the message was for the day? And... Now, doing it on a daily basis, I'm finding that this is a very helpful tool in order to uh, fortify myself with the things we've been talking about as for, and my interactions with those people who I come across during the course of the day. And doesn't that also give you that refreshment that you're looking for, right? Because exactly. if, if you're actually able to take something from the Mass, if you're actually taking something from that little homily or that little preaching or that scripture reading or whatever it is that you're doing, I mean, that's that's... Part of the refreshment. Well, of course, that's, I think, a, a luxury. Not too many people can go to Mass every day. But when we go to Mass um, to fulfill our weekly obligation, mm-hmm. there's more to it than just going there and participating, or, I mean, sitting there for an hour would be better than to say even participating, because some people don't quite get that, that message. Uh, so we can even make those pilgrimages there. So, But I'll tell you, uh, here in, in Lourdes, it, it's a special place. Um, it's one of those places I, t- I tell people that I'm a very, I'm a, I, I think I have a healthy skepticism when it comes to things people tell me. Like they'll say, look, well, I, I, the Lord told me this morning to wear orange socks, you know. And it's like, well, I'm glad the Lord told you that. I'm not saying he didn't, but he hasn't spoken to me thusly. And so I, I, I have a little bit of a sometimes a skepticism when people tell me. I'll smile and nod and say that's wonderful. And sometimes with apparitions we can think, did that really happen, you know. Um, and it can be a challenge sometimes, I think, for a, uh, maybe a skeptic like me, but others to, to, to actually think that something special happened in a, in a place, especially something as special as the Blessed Mother coming in and visiting a little peasant girl. Well, it's the healing that has taken place here. And, and um, outright miracles have been proven where they have. Um, so that, of course, we can't really. You, you can can't be deny that, you right? You can't deny it. It's. Um, <laughs> The doctor team that investigates the miracles here is very widespread and multi-faith, and they look at things very, very carefully. So when they declare something is actually a miracle, it really was a miracle. There were only 80 or 70 or I think 70 and in all those years. But at the same time, I think that there are thousands of healings that take place here on a daily basis, and maybe it's an acceptance of an illness, maybe it's an acceptance of the person who we are taking care of. Uh, I've heard so many different stories where somebody accompanies somebody here on their pilgrimage, and that, but they did it thinking that that was a trip on 
trip to France and all of a sudden they didn't realize that the person who they are here with is as ill as they are. Mm. Um, there are so many different aspects of what we experience here on this uh, pilgrimage journey. And those are miracles. And, and you're right. And that does knock away the skepticism. It really does. But I'm telling you, having been here um, so many times now, it's like it's one of those places when I walk down to the domain, the area where Mary appeared, you know, where the grotto is. And, and you walk down there and you sit in that grotto. You sense something beautiful happened. Yes. You know, and, 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 and there is a, I don't know, there's an overwhelming spiritual sense of, uh, prof- of just a profound feeling that something happened. And, and that, that, you know, it has washed away any kind of skepticism I might have had when I first showed up at this place. And that's I just, I just kind of a neat thing that's part of this. Now, we have more to talk about when it comes to Lourdes. I want to get into some more of this business of being a pilgrim and, and what, we, what we do on pilgrimage, especially here in Lourdes. But uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website. Uh, it's thecatholiccafe.com. I'd love to uh, hear from you also. Send me an email. Tell me about any pilgrimages or anything important in your life that you'd like me to know about. Send that email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. Helena Kapkova was born in 1894 in what is now known as the Czech Republic. At the age of two, her family moved to Vienna in Austria, where Helena grew up. As a young girl, Helena worked as a housemaid, then as a sales girl in a tobacco shop, before she eventually became a nurse in a local hospital. It was her work of service as a hospital nurse that would change her life forever. While at the hospital, Helena came in contact with the Franciscan Sisters of Christian Charity. She greatly admired their work and commitment to the people of God, and was so moved by them that she entered their congregation at the age of 20, taking the religious name Maria Restituta. She flourished as a religious sister and continued her hospital work for many years, eventually becoming a skilled and dependable surgical nurse. As World War II neared, Germany annexed Austria, affecting her hospital in a small nearby town just outside of Vienna. Sister Restituta was very outspoken about the many injustices perpetuated by the Nazis and stood up to them at every opportunity, even calling Adolf Hitler a madman. In an open act of defiance to the Nazis, Sister Restituta hung a crucifix in every room of the hospital, which infuriated the local Nazi commander. She was instructed to remove the crucifixes immediately, but never wavered in her defiance of the Nazis and what they stood for. And so, adhering to her strong Catholic faith, she refused. As a result, Sister was arrested by the Gestapo and ordered to be fired from the hospital unless she acquiesced to their demands and publicly abandoned her religious life. Again, she refused. The crucifixes remained above the hospital beds, and Sister Maria Restituta remained in prison. While there, she used her nursing skills to care for the other prisoners and gave them great comfort with her strong faith. After an appeal for her release went unanswered, she was condemned to death by the Nazi regime. In March of 1943, Sister Maria Restituta was martyred by decapitation. 
In June of 1998, Pope St. John Paul II beatified her. About her, the great Pope said, She risked her life for the witness of the cross, and she kept the cross in her heart, bearing witness to it once again before being led to execution, when she asked the prison chaplain to make the sign of the cross on her forehead. The Universal Church now celebrates the feast day of Blessed Maria Restituta on March 30th. I'm Bestrozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France. I'm here with Fra Tom Mulligan, and uh, I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're talking about pilgrimage, and we're talking about being on pilgrimage, what a pilgrim is, and we're kind of focused here on this pilgrimage, the idea of pilgrimage to Lourdes, and just what happens here. It's, we've talked a little bit about miracles, and and certainly people want to come and have a miracle of, of healing when you have a, especially a profound illness of some kind or some kind of difficulty or strife in life. But, but also I think people come here um, as a companion to assist someone and to be with someone. And that's sort of part of our Christian mission. Um, but, you know, Fronton, like when, maybe the first time you showed up, what, what was your experience when you first kind of walked in and started kind of taking in all that you, all that you saw here? Well, the whole thought of being here on pilgrimage, I knew I was here on a pilgrimage, but it, uh, as far as like making a distinction of being here as a visitor or a, even worse, a, as a tourist, mm. compared to being here on pilgrimage, um, hit me as soon as we landed on my first um, day of pilgrimage, which was, oh, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I've been here every year for 15 years doing the same thing with the Order of Malta. But the first thing that hit my mind was, um, it was a prayer to Mary, asking her to show me what what I was here for. And um, I fully understood what I was here for by the time I had left. It it was a wide... um, range of different experiences that I had had with our different malads. And a malad is a, is a, sick, a sick person that comes. A it's, sick person who, uh, yeah, who we brings, bring along here on the uh, pilgrimage. And the amazing thing was that I found myself kind of, uh, we weren't supposed to discuss what was wrong as far mm-hmm. as their physical ailment or mental ailment or whatever the case was. Because you never know where they are with all of that in terms of whether they want to have people know and they don't want to be the center of attention or maybe they just don't want to talk about it. You know, so you want to respect that privacy, certainly. Yet they opened up in many cases mm-hmm. to us and started to explain what was going on in their lives. And you realize then, first of all, that... Um, my problems are nothing compared to some of the really serious issues that people are facing. Isn't that so? We all experience that. We, we, we have our life and we're sort of self-focused about all of our issues, whether we can't, pay, we can't pay our bills or we're late to something and the car wouldn't start or, you know, exactly. and you think these yes. are, oh, this is, why me? This is horrible. And, you, then you, and then you meet people that are really um, in a whole different place than you are. And you're thinking, man, I'm nothing even like that. I mean, that's... Wow, that's, it is eye-opening, and it, it does soften your heart a lot, doesn't it? Yes. Now, I've seen the same thing happen. You know, we go on a, another pilgrimage during the year, 
to Our Lady of Good Help up in um, uh, Champion, Wisconsin. Right. And we don't bring the sick necessarily. We have some who accompany us on that uh, pilgrimage for uh, the same purposes that we're going, and that's really for spiritual um, enrichment. And yet at the same time, um, I find that that too is a, um, a very fulfilling experience as far as what we are going through by the time we are done with those days. It's, um, you just leave, I think, a better person. And I suppose there are a lot of different ways we can do that on a natural level. You go to a convention and you're all charged up based right. upon all of the things that they tell you. And when you go home, you quickly fall back into all of your old habits anyway, so you weren't going to um, accomplish very much. But it sounded good while you were there. Yeah, exactly. But something very different. For example, the reason why I like coming here to Lourdes is that it is, when I said it energizes me, I feel the energy of Lourdes because the stories keep reoccurring as I tell them to other people Mm -hmm. of the different experiences that I have had with other people and their experiences. And I think that that, every time I do that, it continues to energize me uh, uh, all the way up until the time when we come back again and then I need like another um, jump start. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because it's, it's, it's so true that, that ministry is a two-way street. It's always when you minister to somebody else, right, they, they essentially are ministering to you at the same time. And, and you'll, you'll hear so many priests and, 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 and such when they're talking about, and someone say, oh, Father, it was a beautiful homily, a beautiful mass. It was such a beautiful funeral. It's just in what you did, it's like, but you, I've heard so many times, and I've experienced it myself where it's like, Y'all don't realize what, what I just got out of that, right? And, yes. and I think the thing is, the, the, when the Holy Spirit moves, he, like, moves throughout the room. He, he's, he's everywhere. And I think that when, when you have a very profound spiritual experience for yourself, it just it can't help but radiate out of you, and it, it affects everyone around you. So whether it, if you're the malad or you're the companion or you're the minister or you're just there to facilitate and maybe you're just the bean counter that's coming along the, the, the pilgrimage to make sure all the, the ones and the zeros add up, et cetera. Yes. And the reality is the Holy Spirit is, is amazingly um, effective uh, when people are receptive at working in everyone and in every nook and cranny of your life. Um, and just, it just, uh, it's, it's transformative. And I, I, that, that's what I love about pilgrimage. It's a very immersive experience because you literally physically go there. Now, Maybe we should talk a little bit about maybe the difference that you might, someone might think, well, is that, isn't that like a retreat? Okay, but a retreat is a shorter experience, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, you might... Um, and you're going to like, a quiet place, so you usually go somewhere. Yes. But that going somewhere to there is not necessarily the, the, the point of the, the journey. In other words, it's, no. um, we're just going, stepping away so that we can have an experience. A step into the desert. Yeah, for, exactly. For a weekend. So it's not bad. And, and, and retreat kind of experiences happen on pilgrimage, certainly. Yes. But the nice thing about a pilgrimage is that you are literally answering that call to go. You're, you're getting up and you're going. Well, there's the, also, and there's the community aspect as far as... That's um, right. You're, you're traveling with people. With people. Um, we also have to remember the the uh, the fellow knights, dames, volunteers, for example, on our pilgrimage, are all um, sharing similar experiences. And it, it, as you had said before, we we draw from the experiences of the malads who were serving, 
and we go back and forth with mm. that, which builds a very, very tight community by the time we're finished. Maybe that's how we build a community right. as a church. And I think also, you know, uh, um, like if we're looking at a retreat, a retreat really begins when you all show up together, right? But yes. the pilgrimage begins when you start packing your bags. Yes. Right? You know, it, it, so it, it, it sort of starts maybe individually or you and one other person. And then, and then you'll join another group of pilgrims on the same pilgrimage. And then you'll, start, you'll, you'll catch an airplane or a boat or a train. And so that is actually part of your pilgrimage is that, that traveling, you know. And yes. you'd mentioned the history of the Order of Malta and how the Order of Malta was so involved uh, in facilitating certainly uh, pilgrimages and, and, and helping, assisting, they, creating hospitals to, to care for people along the way that fell ill. And it even drew many of the knights who had come out of the, uh, the First Crusade. Because the order was there previous to mm-hmm. the, uh, the the close of Jerusalem, which brought about the, the reason for the uh, the first crusade right. in, in the first place. But then they also had to do realizing that many of the uh, pilgrims were being attacked along the route. They had military skills, meaning that they were soldiers, as well as brothers and religious brothers, and then they turned around and they started to protect the pilgrims on the highway. So that became kind of the military aspect of what the order is about. But it's interesting because that all evolved as, again, trying to, um, um, as another reason or another purpose for what we are trying to do to protect those people who are making uh, an effort towards their pilgrimage. Absolutely, and so we're, we, there's just a connection, and that's one of the things I love about our church. Our church is not a, it's not a brand new church; it's an old church, and we've been doing this for, for a long, long time. And so, if you're not able to go on a big journey pilgrimage, make an effort to make a pilgrimage, um, you know, either outside your town, but maybe even in your town, maybe to a, a parish you haven't gone to before, and do a holy hour or something. Just see it as a journey, and just count every moment as a special um, moment along that journey. So, Fra Tom, thank you so much for, for uh, helping with this little opening up our program here uh, with uh, all the... We've got many more programs to come yes, here on Pilgrimage. Happy, happy to do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, recording with you and, and others that will meet along our Pilgrim Way here in Lourdes. Yes. And uh, and also, we're here with the Blessed Mother. Our Lady of Lourdes is, is always watching over us. Let's just open ourselves up to her and let's uh, say a Hail Mary to close out our program. Okay. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.